0: Alright, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on Such a Great Salvation. And more specifically, we'll be in part five today talking to talk about prosperity. Uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website again at lighthousediscipleship.org, and you go to our Give page, which is in the top right-hand corner. It says Give, it's highlighted in blue, and you can give them anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the footer, bottom of every page on our website, is our mailing address. And if you're in the United States, just so you know that your tax donations are 100% tax deductible, as we are 501(c)(3) Church. Without further ado, let me go ahead and jump into my, our message this morning. As I've been, you know, we've been in this message of, uh, I didn't plan this when we first started this. I thought this would might like, just be a few months, uh, not most, but we've been, excuse <coughs> me, we've been talking about such a great salvation for pretty much the whole, the, the whole year. We're, all, we're now in October, and we're in the fall, and we started, I think, back in February, and... We started by talking about defining what salvation is. It's a gift; you can't earn it. It's by it's grace and it's faith. It's not grace alone. It's not faith alone. It's great. It's it's faith in his grace. Okay. The word salvation, in both the Greek and the Hebrew, is, defi- is in the Hebrew is Yeshua, in the Greek is Soteria, and both words define the word as wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, and just more definitions. Okay? We talked about the purpose of salvation. We talked about the necessity of salvation. And we've been talking for several months now about the benefits of salvation. And talking about the benefits of salvation, I had a mini-series talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to wholeness. Which, is really talk- <coughs> excuse me, which was really a message within the message, talking about spirit, soul, and body. And then we had a message for a few months talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to healing. And now we're talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. We're really When we're talking about prosperity, I know some people don't like that word. That's a taboo word. They don't like that word. Their feathers get ruffled when we hear that word. Uh, they, they have an attitude about that word. Okay? But we're really talking about God's blessing in our lives. Okay? And last week I did a message I've never done before. But I actually did a message from Genesis to Revelation. And... and <coughs> Excuse me, yeah. I didn't go deep into any of these verses. I really was just like a, uh, a machine gun going from Genesis to Revelation talking about God's blessing in our lives. Okay? prosperity is not just to do with finances, but it also doesn't exclude finances either. okay? It doesn't exclude material things. It's not all about that stuff and I'm going to get into that a little bit later in this moment. Really talked, when we're talking about prosperity, we're really talking about God's covenant with His people. There's an Old Covenant, and there's a New Covenant called the Better Covenant, okay? But there's some other covenants in the Bible, the Abrahamic Covenant, and the Noahic Noah Covenant, and I thought we were going to get to it this year, but we're so long in this series, but next year, 2023, I'll be talking about uh, God's covenant, and so we'll get to that in a little more detail in a few months from now, okay? Because we're not, we're not done with this, okay? And so, we're still talking about the benefits of our salvation, and right now we're specifically highlighting prosperity. See, this whole subject of prosperity, I could really change the title, and this whole message is really about trusting God, trusting in His grace, trusting in His Word, trusting for God in everything. Nothing's off limits that we're supposed to trust God in. We're supposed to trust God for our health, we're supposed to trust God for our wealth, our provision, And yet there's a lot of people in the church and outside the church where there's confusion and have different opinions regarding prosperity. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you don't like the word prosperity, just come up with your own word. Okay? If the word offends you, change the word. But the the principle is still the same. Okay? The, The first revelation we need in the area of finances or prosperity or abundance is knowing God wants us to prosper. If you don't even think God wants you to prosper, or wants us to prosper, then you know this whole message is out the window with you. Uh, but and I, I don't say that to be mean. I don't say that to to, to pick on you. I don't say that to be uh, spiteful. It's just a matter of fact, you know. And some people, just the matter that I'm talking about finances, not that I'm talking about prosperity, will turn me off. And and I I. I get that, but I don't get that. I don't agree with it. I just, uh, I, I'm not surprised by it because we have seen it many times, okay? But God wants us to prosper, okay? And I believe that with all my heart, okay? And this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is not a scheme. This is called the Word of God. God wants us to prosper spiritually. God wants us to prosper emotionally. God wants us to prosper physically. God wants to prosper relationally and also financially. Okay? I didn't get all the E's in here. Okay? But God wants us to prosper in every area of our lives. Prosperity is His nature. It's the nature of God. It's His promise. It's His covenant with us his people. It's His provision. It's His blessing on our lives. Excuse me. Um. Let's look at God's word, and that's my attitude with every subject, but including finances and prosperity. Let's look at what God's word regarding prosperity, finances, and, and the blessing of God. <coughs> excuse me. And Excuse me again. You know, in many ways, this message this morning is going to really be a recap of several things I've said over the last few weeks. Um, I want to go forward in talking about sowing and reaping, and we'll tap into that a little bit today. Um, but I, in my spirit, I'm just not done uh, with what I'm talking about. And I don't know if I can get it all out. I don't know if it's all going to come out today. Uh, but there's just something still brewing, and I'm trying to get it into words. And I'm praying for God for the, the wisdom and know how. and, know-how and what exactly to say that's, that he, I feel like he wants me to say my spirit regarding the subject, okay? But, everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity, whether positive or negative, okay? No one is indifferent about money, okay? You, yeah, people get irritated, they get offended, they get bent out of shape if a pastor like myself preaches on money. And, it's no sore subject. I mean, the majority of people get irritated if I, a pastor, talk about money, finances, prosperity. And the fact that they get irritated tells me I need to teach on it. Okay? If something that the Word of God teaches offends you, Houston, we have a problem. Okay? And the problem's not God or His Word. So yes, sometimes the problem can be the pastor. Okay? But sometimes the, pastor, sometimes the problem can also be the people. Okay? And so money affects our entire life. And the Bible talks a lot about money. I brought up scripture after scripture last week from every book of the Bible. I mean, when's the last time you heard a message from Obadiah or Second John? Or some of these other Bible every book of the Bible talked about God blessing his people and God's covenant with his people and prosperity. And not all the verses I shared last week had to do with finances. A lot of them did. But not all of them did. Prosperity is not just finances, but it doesn't exclude it either. Okay? You need to understand, I need to understand, okay, whenever I say you or I or we, I'm talking about all of us, okay? You need to understand how to relate to money. Okay? From a biblical perspective, from a godly perspective. Okay? We need to relate how to relate to stewardship. And we're gonna get into that a little bit later in our teaching, not today. Okay? How do we relate to God's word? We need to relate to God's word on every subject, including finances, including prosperity. Okay, we need to understand how, what God, what does God say regarding prosperity? Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. Again, everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity, and everyone ha- is pretty proud of their opinion. Okay? Religiously, or worldly, or whatever, uh, Whatever the backdrop to that opinion is, uh, everyone is usually proud of their opinion. But honestly, and I'm not saying this to offend you, but who cares what you think? I don't care what you think. At the same point in time, I don't care what I think. Okay? I'm not picking on you, I'm picking on me too. Okay? I don't care what we think. I only care what God thinks. And as a pastor, I'm hoping and trusting to convey what God thinks, not what Dave thinks. Okay? Who cares what Dave thinks? Who cares what you think? I want to know what God thinks. And that alone just offends people. Okay? It offends people when I say, I only care what God thinks. Well, Pastor, that's not my truth. Well, you're not the truth. You're not the way the truth in the life. Okay? Jesus is the truth. Okay, you are not Jesus, and you are not the truth. Okay, I'm not going to base my theology, my my belief system, my 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 faith on you or me. Okay, uh, faith comes from the Word of God. Faith does not come from you or me or my opinion. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to teach your truth. I'm not going to teach my truth. I'm going to teach by God's grace and by the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to teach the truth. Okay. And there's a definite article about that word truth, the truth, not a truth. Okay. I want to know what kind of covenant God has made with me and what kind of covenant God has made with you. I want to know how He wants me to relate to finances and money. I want to know what God how how He how God should be, should be calculated wants me to be a blessing. Under Abrahamic Covenant. And we talked about that a lot in our first couple lessons. And we're going to be coming back to that in later later times. (coughs) Excuse me again. And what I mean by that. So that I and you can be blessed to bless others. That's really what the Abrahamic Covenant is. That we are blessed to be a blessing. And if people argue that we are to be blessed to be a blessing, then I can't help you. Okay, because that's the word of God. That is God's covenant with us. Okay, and that's what the word of God says, even if you disagree with it. Okay, and in this sub- in, the, in this series, I said I'm going to cover five, give <coughs> me five topics, and these are not the only five topics I'm going to cover. But the, for a lit, if you want a list, this is my list: What is God's will on the subject of prosperity? Why prosperity? I've been covering those two. I'm going to be coming back to those two today. And then I'm trying to go into sowing, reaping, then we'll talk about stewardship, and then we'll talk about motives. And with motives, there's going to be some warnings in there. There's going to be some pitfalls in there that we need to address and be, be, be mindful of. Okay? Just because it's good, just because it's God, doesn't mean it can be damaging if things are not out of place. And we can say that, <coughs> me. We can say that about a lot of things. Okay? Um, chocolate. Chocolate's good. Some people might disagree with that, but every time I ate it, I like it. Um, you know, and so, but if you have too much chocolate, that can be bad. Coffee is good. I don't like coffee. Most of you like coffee. And you'll say it's good. But if you have too much coffee, that can be a bad thing, okay? I had so many carrots when I was young that I turned yellow. Carrots are good. Turning yellow, uh, not so much. Okay, and so, uh, so we can say that about a lot of things. Just because it's from God, just because it's good, doesn't mean it doesn't have some warnings. Doesn't mean it has some danger. Okay, um, electricity. God made electricity. But, if you don't use electricity properly, it can kill you. God made gravity. Gravity is a good thing. We're not all floating around. But, if you don't use gravity properly, it can kill you. And we can go on and on, we can go with many, many, many examples. So I really want to continue talking about these two together. What is God's will regarding prosperity and why prosperity? And Like I said before, we're going to be coming back to each of these interchangeably. Okay, this is not some systematic uh, order. I am going to this order semi-systematically, but at the same point in time, uh, I'm going to be bouncing around. Okay, I just have that right because I'm the one preaching. So, okay, and so anyway, that's just me being silly. Okay? But anyway, why prosperity? Let's go back to that a little bit. I just don't feel like I'm done with that. Okay? I understand, and so this law I've been shared this morning is repetitive of things I shared, especially from a couple weeks ago. Okay? I understand, for many well-meaning people, this can be a sensitive topic. I've been saying that all morning already, and I'm going to keep saying that, because I want you to understand, I understand, this is a very hard topic for some of you. Okay? And I'm not teaching on this to be mean. I'm not teaching on this because you are sensitive. Right? There's some truth through that. I'm not doing it in a spiteful way. I'm not doing it in a malicious way. I'm doing it because I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, and it's God's put on my heart to teach this. Okay? But I understand it's sensitive. And so in some ways I'm I'm gonna tread lightly, but in some ways I need to pop the bubble. Okay? And so I'm gonna be sensitive. I know many hearts. Have become offended on this topic. Why? Because many, many, by and they become offended by many religious abuses. There's been many abuses, and I call them religious because they're not God. <coughs> Anything that's religious to me is a counterfeit. Okay, and so they are counterfeit abuses, and this, these abuses has caused people to fear and avoid the topic of prosperity and finances, okay? So again, yes, there are abuses. In the body of Christ, from many pulpits regarding finances, regarding prosperity. Excuse me. But even though there are abuses, as a pastor, I implore you not to miss out on this benefit of your salvation. Yes, there are abuses, but don't throw the baby out with a bathwater, okay? Just because some people are abusing the topic, abusing the subject, abusing finances and prosperity, I encourage you to set aside any past upsets and offenses You may have suffered because of these abuses. Okay? I implore you to allow the Word of God to reveal finances from a biblical new covenant perspective. I understand there's a lot of bad perspectives, and some of you have a hard time setting that aside, but I, excuse me, by God's grace, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to to, do that. Not for my benefit. Okay? Whether you agree with me or disagree with me, is not going to change me, but I'm wanting you to build a, have a doctrine on finances and prosperity that's biblically based, not based on the kooks that are out there, and not based on the abuse on, that's out there, and not not avoiding the topic, not abusing the topic, but a biblical perspective. I, but there is an anti-prosperity teaching. Attitude that is very prevalent in the church today. It's an anti-prosperity teaching. I kind of grew up with that. Uh, The different churches I've been part of from time to time, it was there. um, Some more than others. And I'm not picking on any particular person or church or individual, but this anti-prosperity teaching has been very prevalent in the church today for the past few generations. Okay? Yet most people with this attitude, want to prosper. I talked about this in length a few weeks ago. Many people are anti-prosperity, and yet they want to prosper. What do you mean by that? Everyone who teaches or believes against prosperity, whether that be from a pulpit or in a, in a one-on-one conversation, they don't have a job. If you are anti-prosperity, then why are you working for a paycheck? Because if you're anti-prosperity, then let's all live on the street. Let's all be homeless. Let's live poverty to the core! You say you're against prosperity, but you're working for a job to be prosperous. Well, yeah, Pastor Dave, but I'm not talking about being a millionaire. I'm not necessarily talking about being a millionaire. That may come That may come to play, and I'll deal with that a little bit later, both the good and bad but prosperity is provision. Okay? Yes, I'm going to be talking about abundance. We're going to get there. But just having food on the plate, clothes on your back and a roof over your head is prosperity. Because there's some people who don't have that. And that's called poverty. Okay? And so I'm not just talking about extravagance. I'm not talking against extravagance. And we'll get to and we'll get into that, but Provision is prosperity. It's a benefit of our salvation. The Lord is our provider. And yet, some people teach against prosperity, and yet they are working for a paycheck. You're not working for free. Some people work for free. I understand this volunteer work. Okay? But most of us are working for a job. Most of, us, most of us will accept the raise. Even pastors will accept the raise. There's almost no vocation to know that if your boss. So that you can have a raise, or maybe you're a business owner and you realize, you know what, I can start taking a bigger sum out because the business is doing good. We all want to make more money. That's prosperity. And get some of us with self-teach uh, again. Same thing goes with the promotion, you know, our raise. Farmers, those who have a crop, some of you are in cultures where that is your lifestyle. Okay? That's how you make money, that's how you provide for your family. You're, you're against prosperity, but you want your family to be taken care of. And this is not only you're thinking of your family, but some of you, this is your business. Okay? How many of you run a business or are a manager of a business or a corporation? Are you working for another co- How many of you want your business to do well? And yet you teach against prosperity, but you want your business to grow? That's hypocritical. Okay? And so um, everyone who teaches against prosperity has investments, whether it be a home or an asset of some sort, land, a crop, a business, and on and on, I can go. Many, everyone who teaches against prosperity has a savings account, or a piggy bank, or something, or something, a hole in the ground, or somewhere where they are saving money. Okay? And so, all these, and I, I could go on and on with those lists, but there's so many people who teach against prosperity, yet they want to prosper. We went to go church. visit a church recently. They were against prosperity. And yet they were praying for God to increase their finances. You can't have it both ways, folks. You can't preach against prosperity and then pray for prosperity. Okay? It, 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 something's wrong here. Okay? And again, I'm not, ta- I'm not naming names, and that's not my point this morning. There are reasons why this attitude of anti-prosperity is so prevalent. As I've already mentioned, there's been some abuses out there. Some prosperity teachers live lifestyles of convict criticism. I'm going to come back to this a little bit later from another point of view. But faith comes by hearing the Word of God, not knowing about so-and-so and how they teach it or how they live it. Okay? I, faith... For salvation, if salvation, Soteria in the Greek, Yeshua in the Hebrew, that's the word salvation in the Greek and Hebrew, it includes prosperity by definition, comes by hearing teaching on prosperity. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. We've talked about healing, we've talked about wholeness, we talked about many different t- subjects. I can talk about marriage, I can talk about parenting, I can talk about logives. How many of you want your, your marriage to prosper? That's prosperity. How many of you want your relationships to prosper? That's prosperity. How many of you want your church to grow? That's prosperity. How many of you want to have favor with God, favor with men, and a good understanding? That is prosperity. How many of you want your your family to be healthy? That's prosperity. How many of you want to be sound in your mind and your emotions? That's prosperity. Okay. How many of you want, if you have bills, you want to be responsible to pay your bills and being a good steward? That is prosperity. Okay? And so, um, I could go on and on and on and go. But faith for salvation, and we're not just talking about prosperity, because we've already talked, we've been talking about this for a year, folks. And I haven't been talking about finances for a year. I've been talking about all different aspects of our salvation, And I can still teach this for 10 more years and still not cover every aspect of our salvation. Okay? But in this segment of our teaching, for the last four weeks, now we're week five, and for a few more weeks to come, I am going to be talking about prosperity because that is the subject that we're talking about in this moment in time. Prosperity, again, is not exclusive to uh, finances, but it includes it. And it's a major topic within it. It's not the only thing that prosperity covers, but we are teaching on that. And I make no apology for that. Even though I know many people are sensitive, and I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be mindful of that. Okay, But faith for salvation, is specifically prosperity, because that's what we're talking about right now. That is the scope of our message right now. It's not our only message, but it is the scope of my message in this teaching, in this series. Okay? But faith for provision, prosperity, having our needs met, comes by hearing, teaching on having our needs met. On God providing for us. And lack, a lack of a better term, in case this term offends you, prosperity. Okay? We need to know what Scripture says about prosperity, even though some of us don't like that word. <coughs> okay? We need to know what Scripture says about prosperity, not what man says about prosperity. Again, I don't care what you say. I don't care what I say. I care what God says. Okay. First Chronicles twenty nine twelve says, "But both riches and honor come of come of you, speaking of God, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might; in your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all." Everything that's been described here is prosperity. Having strength, being great, having power and might. That's all elements of prosperity. Okay? It says, both riches and honor come from God. Okay? It says in Psalm 34:10, they who seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. we talked, I gave you several verses. I gave you several verses last week. And they're not even all, it's still only a drop in the bucket of how God wants to bless us and be our provider. We have to trust God for everything. Trusting in yourself is sin. Trusting in the world is sin. Trusting in other people is sin. Anything that's not a faith is sin. But trusting God is what the Word of God is called faith. And his faith and his grace, his faith and his salvation, which includes prosperity. Jeremiah 10:23 says, Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. If you are trusting yourself to provide for your family, if you're trusting yourself to build your ministry or your business, if you're trusting yourself for anything to be a good parent, to be a good husband, to be a good wife, to be a good person, to be a member of our society, then that is called sin because your faith is in you. And you're trusting you as your own source and not trusting in God. That is an antichrist mentality. Okay? I'm not saying you are Antichrist, but anything that's against or instead of Christ. The word Antichrist, Christo in the Greek, means against or instead of Christ. if anytime we're trusting anything else, including ourselves but God, that is Antichrist. That is not, that is sin. That is not right. That is wrong. That is dangerous. Okay? Proverbs 3, I've Proverbs 3, got to look at several verses here. Let not mercy and truth forsake you and bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Okay? I can talk a lot about that, but let's look forward. It will be health to your flesh. That's health. And strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. That's prosperity. And first fruits of your increase. Let's talk about tithing. Did I miss something? Okay, yeah, I did. Okay. Here, i right go back. Let me reread read this again, because I want you to hear all this in context. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your understanding in all your ways, and knowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Most of us have heard Proverbs three five and six all of our lives or most of our lives trust the Lord with all your heart but this this verse this passage is sandwiched in do you not know, be wise in your own act it's sandwiched before about that mercy and truth bind don't forsake them bind them around your neck write them on the top of your heart and they will and you'll find favor with God and man finding favor with God and man favor is grace that's prosperity. Having, having favor with God and man is prosperity. Okay, trust. But you do this, but not by trusting yourself. You do this by trusting God. Okay, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Don't be wise in your own eyes. If you're being wise in your own eyes, <coughs> excuse me. First of all, that's sin. That's not faith in God. That's faith in you. Okay. And it says, and if you do this, it will be health to your flesh. We just talked about healing for several weeks. And strengthen your bones, honor the Lord with your possessions. That's prosperity. Let's talk about tithing here too, and your first fruits of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty. That's prosperity, and your baths will overflow with wine. Joel talked about that in the latter day church, that our baths will be filled and overflowing with wine. Peter preached on that at Pentecost. Okay, and so my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor. Excuse <coughs> me, nor detest his correction. <clears throat> For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. We we've, we've read this in Hebrews chapter 12. And we take this out of context, but he's talking about, again, letting mercy and truth be around your neck. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in understanding. Be wise. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the, Him with your tithing. And we take this out of context so many times, and I, I, I don't. And i taught on this whole passage at length in our wisdom series that i taught a few years back. And then sometime I will teach some of that again. But I want to take this into a segue way to go to Jeremiah 17, 5-8. And it says, Thus says the Lord, I'm going to take this from the King James, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man, and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord, for he shall be like a heath in the desert, and shall not see when the, heat and when the good comes. But shall inhabit the parched places and the wilderness and the salt land, not inhabited. I'm going to come back to that, but let's go to verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and his hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and has spread out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the yield drought, neither cease from yielding fruit. So this passage in Jeremiah 17, 5-8 is, is comparing a cursed man to a blessed man. One is cursed and one is blessed. The cursed man is trusting in man, trusting in flesh for his strength. <clears throat> the blessed man is trusting in God for his strength. But both men, the cursed man and the blessed man, have a blind spot. The cursed man doesn't see the good when it comes. The good is there. The good is there for both the cursed man and the blessed man, but he doesn't see it. Good coming to you is prosperity. But the cursed man, the prosperity is coming to the cursed man, but he doesn't see it. And because he doesn't see it, doesn't believe it, and is not trusting in God as his source, he is cursed, and he is living in a parched place In the wilderness, and salt land not inhabited. Okay? The heat is there. The drought is there. The famine is there. Okay? The good is there too. But he doesn't see it. The blessed man also has a blind spot. And he doesn't see when the heat comes. The famine is there. He's going through the same famine. He's going through the same drought. He's going through the same person as the cursed man. But he doesn't see it. Why? Because the blessed man is focused on God. Not the circumstances, not his own strength. He, Yes, there's a drought going on. Yes, there's a famine going on. Yes, there's something going on in the world's economy. But his focus is on God as his source. And his prosperity is not coming from himself. His prosperity is coming from God. And he says that his, her leaf shall be green. That's prosperity. Shall not be careful in the year of drought. The drought, and he's not even being careful. He's not being foolish, but he's not being careful. Neither ceases from yielding fruit. Yielding fruit is prosperity. It's provision. It's abundance. (coughs) And when I read this passage, I see the blessed man living in abundance, and I see the cursed man living without. The good is coming to both, but only the blessed man is receiving it, because he's focusing on God as his strength. The heat is coming to both. Okay, The famine is coming to both. But that's all the cursed man is seeing. Because his strength, his, his trust is in man. The, the world, the government, other people are himself. But the blessed man is trusting in God. Prosperity and poverty... Are coming to both. But the cursed man is walking in poverty because he's trusting in man as his source, himself as his source, and not God. The blessed man, even though there's poverty all around him, is not participating in the world economy. He's participating in God's economy because his trust and his source is God. Okay? It goes on to our main verse in this whole mini-series is, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. See, God gives the one who gives us, God is the one who gives us power to get wealth. He's the one that gives us the ability to get wealth. He's the one that gives us the wisdom to get wealth. Okay? We A lot of us are anti-wealth, anti poverty, but God says that He gives us the power, the ability, and the wisdom to get wealth. That's what the verse says. Let me go backwards. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant. So again, God is the one who gives us the power and the ability and the wisdom to get wealth. Why? So that he can establish his covenant with us and in the earth. Whether you realize it or not, God is your source for prosperity. He's your source for everything. Financial prosperity is not God giving you money. That is not what we're teaching. Prosperity is not God giving you money directly. No! God gives you an anointing that enables you to prosper. There's a difference. He gives you anointing, now get to work. And we're gonna talk about getting to work when we talk about stewardship. Okay. I'm not talking about a get-rich-scheme. I'm not talking about being passive. I'm not talking about being fat and lazy. I'm talking about an anointing, a grace that comes from God to be prosperous. And why are we being prosperous? To be a blessing. And we'll get into that in just a moment. The real asset is not the money. It's not the stuff. The real asset is not the car or the vehicle. The real asset is not the house or the building. The real asset is not the business or the crop. The real asset is not the airplane. And some people are against people having airplanes. Okay. <coughs> it's not about the stuff. It's not about the tool or the resource. And I'm going to come back to this airplane thing in a few moments, okay? We, we need to knock over some sicker cows. And we'll do that in just a minute, a minute. okay? The real asset is not the stuff. The real asset is God. The real asset is Jesus. The real asset is the gospel. The power of God unto salvation. Unto wholeness. Unto healing. Unto prosperity. And unto deliverance. And the list can go on and on. Money. uh, Many will ask, do you believe in prosperity? Do you believe in prosperity, Pastor Dave? And my answer is yes. I believe in God. I've taught him this in weeks past. I'm not going to teach it so much today. But I believe that God, I believe in our El Shaddai. I believe in our God who is more than the the many-breasted God. I believe in Jehovah Jireh that he is our provider. I believe in Jehovah Shalom that he is our peace and that he is our provision. The real asset is not the stuff. These are tools. These are part of the blessing and the covenant God has with us. But the real asset is the anointing to produce wealth and prosperity. But why do we have the anointing to produce wealth and prosperity? Why do we have that anointing? So that he can establish his covenant. So that we can be who God says that we are by covenant. And so that we can do what God has called us to do. By covenant. Okay? The real asset is not the stuff. The real asset is the favor of God. The real asset is God's amazing, amazing grace. Money in itself is not prosperity. Money is the byproduct, the fruit of prosperity. Okay? Unfortunately, many Christians measure prosperity by their possessions. In other words, being prosperous is relying on God as your true and only source. I want to say this again. This is really my main point in this entire topic is that we are relying on God as our true and our only source in everything. Provision, wisdom, relationships, prosperity, and on and on we can go. But right now, in this subject, in this series, we're talking about prosperity. And I being prosperous is relying on God. Being wealthy, being rich, and not trusting God is not prosperity. Okay, and I'll get into that in a few moments. Yet there are rich people who seem to be prospering without trusting God. But their riches usually destroy their lives. First Timothy 6, 9, I'll be coming back to here regularly. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perd- perdition. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll be coming back to this many times uh, throughout our series. But those who are trusting in themselves, those who are trusting in their riches, are cursed. That's what we just read in Jeremiah 17. And I can bring this out in many different scriptures, but I love Jeremiah 17, and it just really makes a comparison between a cursed man and a blessed man. And those who are trusting in God are blessed. Because again, Jeremiah 17. Okay. Those who are trusting in their riches often have continuous hardships. Can hardships come to the, the blessed man? Yes. Well, the blessed man also had the same drought, had the same heat, had the same climate. Okay. But there's one thing between the continuous or chronic hardships versus going, having hardships. From the, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. Okay. Those who are trusting in their riches usually have stress, worry, anxiety, because they're not casting their cares on God. Their source is not God; their source is them. Because when everything goes wrong, they're trusting. How do I get out of this? I got to trust myself, and that's stress. Okay, those who are trusting in their riches often have marital problems. What is the number one thing, problem with some marriages? Finances. Okay, and they're not trusting God; they're trusting each other. Okay, those who are trusting in riches often have burnout. Okay, because they're trusting themselves to make their money instead of trusting God, and on and on I can go. Okay, again, First Timothy says, "But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown out men in destruction and perdition." And again, we're going to spend more time on this as we go forward in other weeks. But <coughs> excuse me, verse ten says. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. We have talked about the coveting part in a, in, at the very beginning, and we'll be coming back to that again later. Those who are not trusting in God will find it cost them in other areas of life. They, have, may, they may have money in the bank, but there's always a cost. There's always a cost. And if you prosper without trusting God, riches will bring many sorrows. Why did I say that? Let's go back real quick. Because they press themselves through with many sorrows. Okay. So again, <coughs> excuse me. If you if you prosper without trusting God, riches will bring many sorrows. But if you prosper God's way, the blessing of God will make you rich without sorrow. Because the Proverbs says it this way in the King James, the blessing of the Lord is make make it rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Okay, And again, we'll spend more time with this. And we have spent some time with this verse at the very beginning of this mini-series. But again, the real asset is not the stuff, the tools, the resources. Yet some prosperity teachers live lifestyles that accommodate criticism. Okay? Now let me just go off on this just for a minute. This is not my main point, but I, I felt like I got to address something here. I, I might address it again later on as well. Some people criticize pastors or ministers for having, and I'll use one of the string ones, airplanes. Okay? I don't have an airplane. I don't have any intention to have an airplane. Okay? Um, But that may come sometime. Excuse me. And yet, some of the same critics, I mean not all, but some of the same critics, if a musician or a politician or some businessman had an airplane to do his business, they're okay with that. But a pastor or minister who's preaching the gospel, doing one of the best vocations that you can think of, one of the most honorable locations you can think of, needs an airplane to go from one ministry assignment to another ministry assignment is wrong. It's okay for the world to do something that's going to bring money, that is essential for them to do their business, but it's not wrong for someone who's doing the highest calling of God to need a tool to get them from one place to the other by buying an airplane. They're okay with them buying a car. It better not be an expensive car. It better not be a reliable car. Okay? But it, it, in other words, there's this mentality that pastors are supposed to be poor. And the Word of God doesn't teach that. Okay? And we'll get into some of that in more detail later. The point I'm trying to make right now, yes, there are those who have, and they're just, their lifestyles, their message, the there's a accommodate criticism. Some people, they're, they're all in it for personal gain. They're not in it to preach the gospel. The gospel is a tool for them to be rich, not the other way around. And I get it. There's some kooks. I get it. There's some people who put it out of order. And I get it. The way they present the message is wrong. Okay? But there's some people. They're genuine. And I'm going to say something here. I'm going to say it again in just a few moments. And I don't mean this to be mean. I don't mean it to be crude. I mean, not crude, but rude. But it needs to be said. Some of us need to keep our religious mouth shut. Okay. Some of us need to learn to mind our own business. You don't know what God's called them to do. You don't know the whole story. And you need to mind your own business. Some people have brought the criticism on themselves, I get that. But some people, you need to stop talking to contempt against God's anointing. Okay? You are out of line. Okay? If some people I get it, the criticism is loudly but on themselves, but some people you have you have you have criticized with the same brush. And you are playing with dangerous territory by speaking against God's anointed. Okay? So, anyway, there's a warning there. Don't judge a man's harvest until you have seen his seed. Okay? We're we're going into this this third realm now. I may bounce back to the other two, but we're talking about sowing and reaping. Okay? And I'm not going to go real deep with this yet today. Okay? But... When you sow seeds, we can expect a harvest. For example, if you sow corn, do you expect to harvest corn? If you sow tomatoes, seeds, do you expect to reap tomatoes? If you sow wheat, do you expect to harvest wheat? If you sow a seed, do you expect a harvest? A harvest is prosperity. If you are anti prosperity then you are anti-sowing. Because if you sow, you will reap. Sowing and reaping, although it's not exclusively a financial term, is a law that God has in the land just like he has the law of gravity. If you sow, you will reap. If you sow weeds, you'll reap weeds. If you sow corn, you'll reap corn. Dogs beget dogs. Monkeys beget monkeys. Zebras beget zebras. Uh, uh, Fleas beget fleas, and so on and so on. Okay? And so God, from the beginning, said every seed is produced after its own kind. He said that in Genesis 1.11. And it's still true today, and that is prosperity. Okay, but when we sow seeds, we can expect a harvest. And why are you so concerned about your brother's harvest? I'm going to get deeper into sowing and reaping, but I want to address something right now. Why are you so concerned about your brother's harvest? Well, he has a rich, he has an expensive car, he has an airplane, he has this or that, he has this. Whatever it might be. Why are you so concerned about your brother's harvest? Where's your harvest? What are you expecting? Don't be concerned about your brother's field. Wasn't your field? Okay? What seeds have you sown? You're mad at your brother because he's sown seeds, and he's reaping the harvest while you're sitting on your couch. Watching as the stomach turns. And you're mad at your brother for reaping the harvest because he's sown seed, while you haven't sown any seeds, or bad seeds, or negative seeds, or criticism seeds, or religious seeds. What seeds are you sowing? Because you can sow seeds like, maybe you don't have the same field. Maybe you don't have, because you're against prosperity, you don't even have the seed to produce, to, to sow. You don't even have the ground to sow. But you're mad at your brother because he does have a land. He does have seeds to sow. And he's reaping the harvest. And you're mad at your brother when you need to be you need to focus on your own field. You're focused on the guy who has five talents when you only have one and you've been burying your talent. Because you think he's a hard taskmaster. Jesus dealt with that. Okay? That attitude. What seeds have you sown? Who are you trusting? Are you trusting you? Are you trusting your brother? Are you trusting this other minister? Are you trusting your pastor? Are you trusting your government? Are you trusting the world? Are you trusting God? Who are you trusting? You're mad at your brother because he's trusting God and he's reaping a harvest. And you're not even looking that you're not even trusting God. And you're you're mad at your brother for reaping a harvest when you're not trusting God. And you are still, don't see the good when it comes. Just like it says in Jeremiah 17. Again, I'm not saying this to be mean. But sometimes i got to sometimes i got to say it bluntly to open your eyes. Okay? And so, who are you trusting? Understanding the principles is the principle of sowing a seed and understanding the principles of, of, of reaping a harvest. Reaping a harvest is prosperity. Not reaping a harvest is poverty. And you can't get a harvest without sowing a seed. And if, you're, if there's poverty, there's no seeds being sown. And yet some of us are mad at our brother because they've been sowing seeds and reaping a harvest. That's wrong. That, that attitude of being mad at your brother for reaping harvest is covetousness. And coveting your brother's field and harvest it, while you're poor or don't have a field. It's not the money. It's not the riches that made you covetous. It was your brother's harvest and prosperity and your own poverty that made you covetous. And envious. And I dealt with that already in a previous lesson. Okay, It's vital to understand how the kingdom of God works. Make no mistake. God wants you to prosper so that you can accomplish his will and so that you can be a blessing to others. If you're writing notes, these are two points to write down. Because make no mistake, God wants you to prosper so that you can accomplish his will and so that you can be a blessing to others. Why am I teaching on prosperity? Because I want you to accomplish his will and I want you to be a blessing to others. In this segment of our teaching, I'm going to keep coming back to these two points. Because this is the purpose of prosperity. This is the purpose why God gave us the power to get well. So that he can establish his covenant. So that we can fulfill his purpose. And so that we can be a blessing to others. You cannot fulfill the purpose of God without provision and prosperity. And you cannot be a blessing to others when you are broke. <coughs> excuse me, And I'll come back to that. Prosperity and abundance are God's will for every area, excuse me, that's supposed to be area of your lives. Every area of your life is supposed to be blessed. You are the people of God. You are the children of God. And God wants his kids to be an advertisement of how he treats his children. And I'll come back to that in a later lesson. Excuse me. Prosperity and abundance are God's will for every area of their lives. Right now we're talking about finances. But the same message applies to every area of your lives. So including finances. Okay? God wants his people to live free from lack and poverty, which is not from God. God is not a God of lack. You're not going to find a name of God that says He's Jehovah Jehovah God of Lack. Jehovah God of Poverty. No, He's Jehovah Jireh. No, He's Jehovah Shalom. He's El Shaddai. He's not El Chippo. He's El Shaddai. Okay? But we need to learn prosperity from a godly perspective, not a worldly perspective, and not an ungodly perspective. When we learn to prosper God's way, not man's way, we will experience supernatural increase. When we learn to prosper God's way, we will become a channel of blessing to others. I want to say this again. When we learn to prosper God's way, we will experience supernatural increase, a harvest. And when we learn to prosper God's way, we will become a channel of blessing through that supernatural increase. See, yes, the prosperity message has been used and abused for personal gain. we talked about that. But I'm not going to use the bad examples as our model of how to go forward. I'm going to use God's word and his model of how we are supposed to go forward. Church, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some of you need to change the bathwater. Yeah, it's stinking to the high heavens. But don't throw the baby out. Okay? It's not the baby's fault. You need to change the water. Change the water. Give that baby some fresh water. For crying out loud. You can't clean a baby with dirty water. But don't throw the baby out. Okay? Just because people have used and abused the truth. Just because... Someone is poor does not mean they are godly. And just because someone is rich does not mean they're ungodly. Again, make no mistake. God wants you to prosper so you can accomplish His will and you can be a blessing to others. And you can't do either one of these if you're broke. You can't fulfill God's will. To fulfill God's will, it will take money. And to be a blessing to others it will take money and resources okay you can't give what you don't have it's more blessed to give than re- it's more blessed to give than receive we'll get we'll get to that but you you can't give something you don't have it's more blessed to give than receive but you got to receive it so you can give it okay no one in scripture ever said i would have done god's will but i just couldn't afford it you won't find any scripture. You won't find any testimony. I would have done what God called me to do, but I just couldn't afford it. You won't find one scripture that says anything or teaches anything to that, to that accord. The first step into light, a life of abundance is to believe prosperity is God's will for your life. Before you were saved, you had to be convinced salvation was God's will. Before you can receive healing, you have to be convinced that God's will to heal you. And before you can receive prosperity, you have to be convinced it's God's will to pray you prosper. Yet we need to hear from God's perspective. We need to hear from a godly perspective. We need to hear from a, the Word of God and not the words of man. By your traditions, you make the Word of God of no effect. Okay? 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Another key verse for the series is, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We talked about this before. I'm talking about it again, and we'll talk about it some more. And yet there's a lot of help in missing The scripture that I just read. There's a lot of help out there. We went to a church this week just to get something fresh. We only went to receive. We, we were giving. We're ministering so much. We just went, went to another church this week just to, to be encouraged and fellowship and whatnot. And yet there's someone out of the crowd. It doesn't reflect necessarily the church, but this person. And they, they, they gave my, us a lot of help to miss the scripture right here. <laughs> you know? And again, I'm not picking on anybody. I just say, it's out there. There's a lot of help out there. But when you take a text out of its context, you will be left with a con. And a lot of people think that sec- well, the verse I just read from 2 Corinthians is not talking about money and riches. But the entire context. Of 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, two chapters is talking about money. And in the middle of the first chapter of this context, he's talking, he says that you through his property might become rich. And some people think he's not talking about money. And yet, the whole context is talking about money. I gotta quote something Joseph Prince says My mom didn't raise no fool. <laughs> you know? I've been taught two plus two make four, and some people want to make two plus want to do a new way of doing math and make five out of this. Okay? Make no mistake about it. God wants you to prosper so that you can accomplish his will and be a blessing to others. And many people will teach, well, this is talking about spiritual riches. And on a deeper level, there may be some truth to that. I believe that there are spiritual riches that are much deeper and more prosperous and more healthier than the, than, than, than the natural riches. But I have shown you, and I will continue to show you from Genesis to Revelation, that God will use monetary riches for His purpose so that you can accomplish His will and so that you can be a blessing. I want you to be blessed with every spiritual blessing, but I also want you to be blessed... In natural ways and practical ways too. So that you can take care of your family. So you can do what God's called you to do. And so that you can be a blessing to others. Instead of you asking me for money. Or asking other people for money. You can give money to those in need. Jesus is the one that wanted to feed the multitudes. And Jesus told his disciples to feed them. And disciples were like, we can't feed them. Jesus took a boy's lunch. He didn't even have a lunch. The boy did. And he multiplied it. That's prosperity. You know, some of the miracles Jesus did on on the Word of God were prosperity. And yet, some people are anti-prosperity. You're anti the miracles of God. You're anti the Word of God. You're anti-Word. and You're you're basing a doctrine on man's philosophy, on man's abuse. Abusing, abusing it for personal gain, but also abusing it because they refuse to teach it. That's abuse too. You know you can abuse a child by beating them up, but you can also be, abuse a child by neglecting them? Both are abuse. And again, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just, but a, there's some sacred cows i got to push over. And we're doing some cow tipping, okay? It's, but the entire context of 2 Corinthians 8 9 is talking about money. And some people believe prosperity is wrong. Okay? Then they do everything they can on their own to make money. Something's wrong with that. They think prosperity is wrong, and yet they do everything they can on their own to be prosperous. If prosperity is so wrong, why go to work? If prosperity is so wrong, why pray for provision? Why ask for help? Okay? Yes, Jesus did caution us against greed. In Luke 12, he says, and he, and he said to them, <coughs> Take heed and beware of the covetousness. we dealt with that already. We'll deal with it some more. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Paul also talked about greed, the temptation. We already discussed this. Um, first Timothy six nine, but let's look at it to amplify But those who crave to re, be rich fall into temptation and a snare and fall and, and too many foolish useless godness and hurtful desire to plunge man into ruin and destruction and miserable perishing. Err, even unbelievers misquote money is the root of all evil, because they misquote the very next verse that says, It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's a problem. Money itself is neither good or bad. Money is simply a tool. But it is what we are trusting that makes money good or bad. And it's who we are trusting that makes it bless a blessing or a curse. It is what we do with that money that makes it good or bad. See, all the lusts All the lusts of the flesh, all the lusts of the world can be purchased with money. But none of the gifts of God can be purchased with money. None of the blessings of God can be purchased with money. None of our inheritance in our covenant with God can be purchased with money. Redemption cannot be purchased with money. So yes, we do have to keep our hearts pure... And our desire for prosperity, and we're going to talk about that more deeply when we get to motives. We need to have pure motives when we are desiring for what God what God promised us. Okay. We also must keep God's covenant purpose in mind regarding money and prosperity, and that also goes with motives, which we'll talk about later as well. But again, make no mistake: God wants to prosper you so that you can accomplish His will. And be a blessing to others. God gives us both seed to sow. And he also gives us bread to eat. We've talked about this in length already. In multiple, multiple passages of scripture. God gives us money to give. But he also gives us money to supply our own needs. One reason some people live from paycheck to paycheck. Is because they eat all their seeds. Okay. That's, one, that's not the only reason. There are some other reasons too. But if we, do, if we don't sow or give some of what God gives us, we will never live in abundance. We're, when God gives you provision, seed, and money in a seed, he wants you to sow some of it and live off some of it. But some of us are eating it. He gives us bread. He gives us seed to sow and bread to eat. But some of us are eating all the seed, and so we're wondering why we're never prospering. We're never growing in abundance because we're never giving. We're never planting any of that seed in the ground. Okay. Abundance is, and that's what we're going to get into when we're talking about sowing and reaping. And we're not going to get there. We're not going to get deep with that this morning. Okay. Abundance is a result of sowing. Abundance is a result of giving. Okay, Second Corinthians says it this way. And now he who ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food. See the see the bread there and in the in the seed there. And multiply. We'll come back to that. Your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes <coughs> excuse me, which causes to us Thanksgiving to God. See again, abundance is a result of sowing. Abundance is a result of giving. And giving is a result. And giving is a result of abundance. Abundance is a result of giving. And giving is a result of abundance. The two are dependent on one another. Okay. i want to say that again. Abundance is a result of giving. And giving is a result of abundance. It's a cycle. And they are dependent on each other. We give so we can have, and we have so that we can give. Am I making sense? You don't sow a crop so you don't have some. But if you eat it all, you have nothing to sow for the next crop. Okay? The more we sow, the more we will have. And the more we give, the word sow and give are used interchangeably, the more we will have. That's how God designed it. That's how the kingdom of God works. God has many of the parables. God used sowing and reaping as an analogy of how the kingdom of God works. Okay, the parable of the sower. And Jesus said, "If you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables." Okay, and it's all about an analogy of sowing and reaping. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over what will be put to your bosom. For well, with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. We're going to spend more time on this. I keep referring to this verse. We'll spend more time in it in, in, in time to come. But the word abundance, it, it means great or plentiful amount. Okay? And the word plentiful means existing in great quantity or ample supply. The purpose of abundance is to be a channel of supply to others. Remember, that's one of our purposes. To do God's will and to be a blessing to others. One of the purposes of abundance is to be a channel of supply to others. And if you are against prosperity, you are cutting off, you are damming up that channel. Okay? Acts 20 in the ESV says, In all things, I have shown you that by working hard, and we'll talk about this more in detail later, in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a lot I can glean from here, and a lot we will come back to in later, later lessons, but for now, we must go, we must go from being a consumer to being a producer. But even by being a producer, we need to consume some of it. If you're producing a harvest, a crop, by golly, eat some of it. Don't eat all of it, but you gotta eat some. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. He gave you seed to sow and bread to eat. Okay, believing for more is to give, is right. Believing for more to give is holy. For believing more to give is God's plan. And if you are against prosperity, then you are against God giving you more to be a blessing. That's Antichrist. If you really pull back to that environment. Okay? If you are against prosperity, and you are only concerned that God gives you enough to get by, you're selfish. Because you're only thinking about you. And your needs. You can say, Pastor, I don't need abundance. My family's doing fine with what we got. Then you only care about you and your family. That's selfish. Praise God, you and your family are okay. I'm not not putting that down. But you're not concerned that God wants to give you more so you can be a blessing to other families who are not as content as you are. And that's selfish. And if you're saying, I don't need more money, I have too much money, well then give it to me because I'll give it to others. You're like the parable of town, the guy who just buried it and didn't multiply it because he didn't believe in prosperity. He believed God was a hard taskmaster. And Jesus dealt with that one harshly selfish. See, a lot of people who are against prosperity think that those who are for prosperity are selfish, when some of them are actually just as selfish and just as covetous. Because they're only thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about their brother. Okay? Our God is a God of abundance. Our creator is El Shaddai. Our creator is most powerful. Our creator is an all-sufficient one. Our creator is a God of more than enough. Our, God, our creator is our peace and our provision. And he says, and this is a recap from previous week, he says in Psalms 19 in the New Living, he says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship day after day. They continue to speak. Night after night they, they make him known. And I escaped some of these facts a couple weeks ago, but I want to give them to you again. I'm not trying to have a science lesson here, but the Earth is 93 million miles from the Sun. The Sun is over a, a million times larger than the Earth, and traveling at the speed of light, which is 86,000 miles per second. <coughs> you can circle the Earth seven times. You can travel to the Sun in eight minutes. You can travel to Pluto in five and a half hours, and you can travel to the nearest star in four years and four months at the, light of, at the, at the speed of light. Also, some creation facts is there's a hundred billion stars in our own galaxy called the Milky Way. And there are over a hundred million galaxies in known space. And there are over seven million species of animals and over 30 million species of plants. Our God is a God of abundance. And those of you who are against prosperity, you're against God. Because that's who He is. You're not saying it in that, with that attitude, and you're not saying it with that context, okay, and even that mindset, but when you peel back the onion and you realize what you're doing, what you're saying, and what you're believing, it's wrong. God, not only is God God, God God of abundance, all these things that God created, and I can go a lot deeper, okay, this is very generic, but God says that we have dominion over everything He created, He gave us dominion. That's pretty far out if you think about that. And he told us to be fruitful and multiply. Okay? Multiplication, being fruitful and multiply is prosperity. He didn't just say, Adam and Eve live it tune uh, your heart out because when you die, the human race is gone. That's selfish. Being fruitful and multiply is called love. Because you're not just thinking about you. You're also thinking about the next generation. You're also thinking about the human race. Our God is a God of multiplication. Our God is a God of abundance. And he created us in Genesis to 28 in his own image and in his own likeness. If God is a God of abundance, then we too, who are created in his likeness, are to be a people of abundance. Well, we don't just give sparingly, we give doubtfully. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. The principle of multiplication is found throughout all scripture, and I gave you several last week, from Genesis to the book of Revelation. and 2 Corinthians, he talks about how this idea of multiplication is also multiplied your some. Okay, Have you ever noticed most fruit, maybe not every fruit like an avocado, but most fruit, they have multiple seeds in it, not just one. There's multiplication there. But even if you plant one avocado seed, I'll use that as an example, you plant that, you get a whole tree, you get multiple avocados. There's multiplication there. God is a God of prosperity. God is a God of more than enough. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of multiplication, and many people are irritated that I teach this. Okay, and that's wrong. God multiplies our seed. So, Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish. Through Elijah, God multiplied the widows' flour and oil. Through Elisha, God multiplied the widows' oil. God also multiplied Peter's fishing day one day. Poverty is a curse, but prosperity is a blessing. Prosperity comes from obedience. Okay, we find that in Deuteronomy 28. And poverty also comes from disobedience. We find that in, in, in Deuteronomy 28. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And we find that in Galatians 3, 13-14, for Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, including poverty, those are my words, being made a curse for us it's written, "Cursed to everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. The way to keep the channel of supply open is to be in the will of God, which takes obedience. But some don't believe the channel of supply is God's will. Let me say that again. The way to keep the channel of supply open is to obey God, be in the will of God. I don't have time to reteach this with Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight, but some of us don't even believe the channel supplies God's will. That's disobedience. That's poverty, which leads to poverty. Anything that's not a faith is sin. Chronic lack is not God's will. I'm not saying chronic lack is sin, but not believe- <coughs> not trusting God is. Okay. That finances and obedience go hand in hand. And I, can, I can teach this in the Old Testament, I can teach this in the New Testament. Well, I thought we taught grace here, Pastor. Why are you teaching on performance? I'm not teaching on performance, I'm teaching on trusting God. Faith without, without works is dead, and true faith is never alone. We are not doing good works for God to bless us, we are doing good works because He has blessed us. There's a difference. We're not doing good works so God will bless us. We are doing good works because God has told us to. We're trusting what he said. Just like Peter casting on the other side of the boat. Just like taking the loaves and the fish multiplying blessing people. We're being obedient what God tells us to do. Okay? No amount of money can make up for the lack of obedience. That's deep if you think about that. No amount of money can make up for the lack of not trusting God and not obeying Him. Prosperity is not like winning the lottery. One day you're poor, the next day you're rich. I talked about this in weeks past. That's not healthy, and in many ways that can be dangerous. Psalm 115 says, The Lord shall supply you more and more, and you and your children. The blessing of God comes more and more. Nonetheless, God does want to astonish you. And I want to close with a story. And this story's been on my heart all week. I said everything that I said this morning since we get to the story. But in Luke chapter 5, we have the story of when Jesus meets Peter and some of the other apostles. Peter had been fishing all night, and he uh, caught nothing. And he was cleaning his nets. A mundane task that he had to do. And usually he did this after he actually caught something. But this time he still had to clean the nets. Even though he caught nothing. Have you ever done that? Working at your job, your business. Raising your family, your crops. Doing what God's called you to do. Doing mundane tasks that that comes with that scenario. And that purpose. You've been fishing all night, maybe for days, for weeks, for years, for generations, and got nothing. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus comes into the boat of your life. For Peter, this was his business. This was not just his life, this was his business, his income. And he borrows his boat. To teach the people the word of God. He uses it as a stage to teach the people the word of God. Does it, not, does it not say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In the context where Jesus said, don't, don't think about it. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to live? For your heavenly father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The first thing Jesus does is teach the word of God. But then, we pick up the story in verse 4. And when he, Jesus, stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He just cleaned the nets for crying out loud. That'd be like, I just put the laundry away. I just closed everything up. I just put the buffet table away. I just put it all away. I caught nothing. No one came. And now you want me to go out, and it's the wrong time of day to go fishing. But I love verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. He's tired. He's also discouraged. And he said, but I love this phrase. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That's obedience. He didn't want to. As a professional fisherman, he didn't put any logic to it. He just tried, he toiled all night, got nothing. What's one more try What's thing? But nevertheless, at your word. I will, but down there. It's more blessed to give receive. He's got to receive something. Okay? And verse 6. And when they had done this, when they obeyed him, when they trusted his word, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so they began to sink. Talk about a fish story when you got home. Honey, you'll never believe I caught a fish this big. I mean, I caught so many fish, the net began to break, and the boats began to sink. Sure, Peter! You know? Anyway, maybe in positions. But he goes on. For he and all who were with him were astonished. I love that word. They catch it. Fish, which they have to Fish, for Peter, a fisherman, was his paycheck. Was his livelihood. Fish were money to him. Power to get well. But I don't believe in past prosperity, Pastor. Well, Jesus didn't get that memo. It was abundance. He only needed a few fish. He only needed at least one net. Obviously, they went out with more boats, more nets than just the one, but they definitely didn't need a net-breaking boat seeking load of fish. Well, Jesus, God didn't get the memo. God wants to astonish you at the goodness of God. God wants to make you an example of how God treats his children. God wants to bless you, to be a blessing, God wants to bless you to fulfill his purpose. From this time forward, I didn't read it in the notes. But Jesus said, I will no longer be, I will follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Folks, we are there's such an anti-prosperity message. And I get there's a lot of abuse out there. I get there's a lot of wrong teaching out there. I get there's a lot of kooks out there. But there's a message that God wants us not to be poor as a church mouse, but he wants us to be the people of God. In this generation, in this hour, whatever country you're in, I don't care what's going on in your country. I don't care what's going on in your government. I am here to preach God. In the kingdom of God. I'm not saying I don't care that I don't care for you. I'm saying. It's not. It's not based on you. I'm not looking at the heat. I'm not looking at the drought. I'm looking at God. Jeremiah 17. 5-8. Trust God. God wants to bless you. So you can do God's will. And God wants to bless you. So you can can bless other people. God wants to establish you. And he wants to accelerate increase by trusting Jesus. And you can accelerate increase by obeying God. You can accelerate increase by sowing and reaping. See, sowing and reaping allows all of us to start somewhere. You can all start with what you have. When Jesus came to, when, I mean, when Elijah came to the widow, what do you have? Just oil and flour. When you came to, when Elijah came to the, another widow, what do you have? All I have is oil. When Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes, all they had was a boy's lunch. God will take what you have, but trust him. Sell it Sow it, trust in him. There was another widow with which Elijah said, give me all your money. Now that sounds selfish. But I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was the same story. Where the, where, where the flour and the oil never ran dry. Because God was, it's about trusting God. It's not about the money. I got more notes. We got more things that we're going to cover in the weeks to go. But we're going to cover this in the weeks because we're talking about church such a great salvation and i can't it's hard for me to convey what i really want to convey but we need to trust god most of us including myself are experiencing so little of what god really has for us in this hour in this generation and the, and the circumstances that surround us and our, the countries that we live in and the situation we live in, God wants to bless your socks off like he blessed Peter's socks off so that you can fulfill your purpose and so that you can be a blessing to other people. There's so much I want I hope you're listening, I hope you're receiving, and there's more to be talked about in the weeks to come. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week.